We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, a pleasant good afternoon to everybody out there in Irish Breakdown land. I'm Vince D'Addario. That guy over there is Ryan Roberts. We are in today to talk about keys to an Irish victory in the Sun Bowl. It is Wednesday, December 27th, which means in about 49 hours, Notre Dame will be kicking off uh, because it is one o'clock. It is a two o'clock kickoff. And, uh, so Notre Dame's kicking off against Oregon State. I thank you very much. That was know, good I, math, man. I thought you were. I thought you used to be a gym teacher. That was pretty good, though. That was. That was I good. know, right? I'm actually impressed with myself. Uh, yes. That was out of nowhere uh, that I was able to do that. That's enough thinking, though, for one Christmas break, in my opinion, as far as math is concerned. Uh, but Ryan and I are here to talk about keys to an Irish victory. Brian is en route to El Paso, so he'll be down there, boots on the ground, so to speak, and uh, following the Irish and doing what he does at bowl games and having all the fun and um, a couple of reminders. So we're going to do keys to victory. We'll do offense. We'll do defense and we'll have a mailbag afterwards. So if you've got questions, put that old MB or the little mailbox, you know, symbol in there and, and we'll, we'll get your questions started and we'll do the best we can to answer everybody depending on time. And then uh, also there is going to be a get together down in El Paso tomorrow. Right, Ryan. You, you. I, I don't know the 28th, details. What do you 28th, got? Twenty eighth, right? Twenty eighth yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, it's on. It's on the message board. So Brian okay. has the location already on there. So if you're on the message board, I believe it's just titled IB El Paso Get Together or something like that. Wait, give me, give me a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the exact wording. So if you, oh yeah, here it is. IB Sun Bowl Meetup in El Paso. If you're on nice. the message board at boardsatirespectdown.com. I'm not going to disclose the information over the podcast, but if you want the location and the information on where they all will be meeting up in El Paso, message Brian Driscoll on Twitter, and you'll be able to send you the time, the place, the you know where they're all going, all that type of information. But if you're on the message board again, it has already been on posted for the last couple of days. Yes. So, like I said, I went. I was obviously at the Fiesta Bowl two years ago. We did a meetup, and it was a lot of fun. A lot of people were there. Uh, we had a good time, watched some football, talked to some football, had some appetizers and some uh, beverages, and and really had a good time. It was nice to meet some people. So, uh, you know, if you're going to be in the El Paso area or you have the ability to get to the El Paso area tomorrow, make sure you hit that up. Should be a lot of fun. 
Find the uh, desert, man. Get to the desert. Get there, folks. Get it there. is. It, it will be fun. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got uh, kickoff for the game, 2 o'clock on Friday, Eastern Time, on CBS. Uh, Ryan and I will kick off the post-game show uh, pretty soon after the game is over, and then however long it takes Brian to finish up what he's doing at the stadium, get back over to the hotel. I'm sure he'll jump on and give his thoughts uh, at yep. all, but this will be the final post-game show of the 23 season. So make sure you guys hop on, have a good time with us, and hopefully we'll be talking about a Notre Dame victory, Ryan. And speaking, of, speaking of Texas travels, Vince, on Monday I will be heading down to San Antonio, Texas for the All-American Bowl as well. So if you're not signed up at BorisIrishBreakdown.com or you don't just visit the site at IrishBreakdown.com, <laughs> I will be having daily – breakdowns practice reports player interviews all that jazz down in el paso i believe practice actually starts on the 2nd of january but i'll be down there from january 1st to january 6th if anybody wants to meet up down there as well i'll be the only one from ib represented there but i am more than happy i know they have the great river walk down in san antonio which is beautiful so yeah yeah man it's dope we (laughs) went there last year one or two nights and it's just like a two mile square radius oh nice 20 bars and you know just places to eat and restaurants and it's really nice man so if anybody's down in san antonio from the first to the sixth make sure to hit me up but also check out the content because there will be a lot of practice reports and player interviews and all that good stuff nice boots on the ground again so and i believe all of the notre dame players that are in the 24 class that are in like a postseason game are in that game Right. So it's it's one stop shopping for you. Right. Is that accurate at all? So there was there was three players that were slated to play in the U.S. Army game that happened about a week ago. So Bodie Cahoon played in that football game. Michael Gilbert played in that football game. Leonard Moore was supposed to play in that football game, but he was unfortunately not able to participate in this game. There are five Notre Dame commits in the 2024 class that will be down in San Antonio, including. Kingston Villamoasa, Cam Williams, amongst others. So some of the premier pro players signed in 2024 will be down in El Paso. Nice. Nice. So, okay, I'm going to plead ignorance here. I thought the Army yes. game was in El Paso. It's not – I mean, in San Antonio. Oh. So so this this is like the weird thing, right, Vince, okay. is that the All-American Bowl used to be the U.S. Army game, all right? And okay. then it got rebranded. It's just called uh... the All-American Bowl. Uh, I think it's signing day sports runs basically the U S army game, which is technically different now. So it's basically like a reboot of that game. So they okay. were once the same, you are correct, but now they're kind of separate entities, I suppose. If we're going to Okay. Say now do they still have like the under armor one in Florida? Don't they do in, that over in there? Florida? Yeah. But last year, Notre Dame only had like two players. I think that participated in okay. that one. And I don't, including Braylon James who's no longer with the program. And I, I, haven't heard anything about that game this year, so I'm assuming gotcha. that there's not much Notre Dame uh, Notre Dame representation yeah. there. But our U.S. Army game, though, again, Cam Williams, okay. Kingston Villamoasa, there's nice. some some good players down in El Pas or in San awesome. Antonio, not El Paso. So I got you. I, I did it too. So I I'm nailing yeah. you on that one. That's my bad. Uh, so a lot of action in Texas for current and yet future Notre Dame uh, players over the next week and a half. So make sure you stay locked in to the uh, boards that I was breakdown.com for Ryan's uh, updates. And then of course he'll have some stories and interviews and all that fun stuff and nothing yep. but first class, uh, you know, reporting from down there in the land of Texas. So you're too, you're too kind, man. You're, well, you're too, it's true. too kind. Yes. It's true. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. All right. Hopefully, as I said before, Ryan and I will be talking about a victory for Notre Dame football in the postgame show in, uh, I don't know, a little over two days from now. But in order to make that happen, Ryan has his keys to an Irish victory. And so we are going to roll through those. We're going to do offense first, and then we'll do a reset. We'll hit some defense. And then, like I said, we will do a mailbag as well. So if you've got any questions, please feel free to put those in and we'll star them and we'll get back to them as we go. And uh, yeah, so we kind of touched on some of this yesterday, Ryan. We were talking about kind of who Oregon State is, what we think they're going to be. I was jumping the gun yesterday, Vince. I let let the cat out of the bag and a couple of my keys to victory yesterday. But if you didn't check out the show yesterday, this would still be fresh to the mind. So you'll be good. That's right. It's it's funny. I'm laying in bed this morning and I'm thinking about, you know, what my keys to victory would be. I'm like, well, we kind of touched on some of them yesterday. (laughs) But we didn't go super in depth uh, yesterday. And so that's what we're going to do today. And uh, Ryan's got some good ones here. So uh, let let me pull them up here. So first one. I think is it's a staple. What, yeah. I mean, this is yeah. hundred percent. Like it is a staple, but yep. it is also very, very important. It's what we all want to see after this long layoff. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't played a game in a month. Right. And so yep. the first one is start fast offensively to get a lot of these younger players, some confidence. And I think that it's a, it's a extreme cliche on this show, obviously to start fast offensively, because we do that every single keys to victory episode. That's the first one we always talk about. Right. But honestly, Vince, they don't listen to us a lot, man. There's a lot of times where they do not start incredibly fast, but I think it's especially important against Oregon state because one, like you said, there is a little bit of a layoff here, right? There has not been a, a Notre Dame game in, quite a few weeks now at this point, it feels like forever. And I think trying to get into a rhythm early is going to be big for this game. But I think the biggest part of this is that Notre Dame has a new look offense. They're going to be young in certain spots. They are going to have a redshirt freshman starting quarterback, starting his first game of his career. You're going to have two running backs at the top of the depth chart who are 
true freshman Jeremiah Love and redshirt freshman Jadarian Price. You're going to have a true freshman starting at left tackle in Charles Jagasaw. I'm still calling him Charles Jagasaw because, Vince, I made this joke the other day. Apparently, there's a new pronunciation of his yeah. name that he said it for the media like last week. But when I first he came, first came on the radar, when I first got hired by Irish Breakdown, I literally heard a video of him pronouncing his name yes, I saw the as video. Jagasaw. I saw the video. It, it was it was with Tom Lemming, and I was like, yes. cool, awesome, awesome, cool. I know how to say his name now. Great. But all joking aside, though, you have a true freshman left tackle. You have a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first career start in Steve Angeli. You have a backup true freshman quarterback as well in Kenny Minchie. If anything happens to Steve Angeli, you're going to be true freshman behind a redshirt freshman. And you have two young running backs that are now going to be carrying the load with Aldrich Estimate, you know, not the opting out of the football game. So them being able to get a rhythm early will be huge for this offense because there is bound to be a couple blunders early. There's bound to be a couple, you know, a couple of the, we always see those plays, you know, coming out of the huddle where maybe things are kind of slow communicated and a guy's in the wrong spot. And then you have to take a late timeout. Like those things happen, especially with young players offensively, but Notre Dame kind of being crisp early on, I think settles in Steve Angeli. I think it settles in Charles Jagasaw. I think it gets the running game going. Notre Dame needs to come out, in my opinion, in this game to, for their best. The best possible outcome is to make your younger players comfortable early yes. on in the football game, especially with a new offensive coordinator, with you know, uh, with Gino Gadouli being the guy that's going to be calling plays in this football game until Mike Denbrock is. I know he's officially the new offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, but he's not going to be coaching in this football game, obviously. So with all those changing of the parts, young players playing, I think trying to establish some type of rhythm early is incredibly important for this Notre Dame offense. Well, and when you look at this particular key and, and it start fast, but then in parentheses, you had to get the younger players confidence. To me, the most important piece of that is the last part. It's to get the younger players confidence. Even if they don't go down and score a touchdown right off the bat, I, I want to see an offensive game plan that gets these kids involved, gets them confident. You know, you always talk about, you know, throws for a quarterback to get them in rhythm, you know, short throws and things like that. But I, I want to see some runs like that, too, that gets the offensive line into a rhythm, gets Jeremiah Love into a rhythm. You want to see, you know, some some one-on-one some -on -one wins for some wide receivers on the outside, even if it's just a hitch route or comeback, mm -hmm. or something along those lines, gets those guys going, gets the quarterback going, gets these young guys into a rhythm. That's, I think, the most important thing. And, and you know, because normally when I think start fast, Ryan, I think, like, they got to score. They got to score right away. Now, drive, that would be yeah. that would be great. That I'm sure. not going to turn down a touchdown on the first drive, obviously. Yeah. But you want to see, you want to see a concerted effort by this offensive staff to get these kids involved in the offense, spread the ball around, do some things that you know is going to be successful, right? Right, right. Let let uh, <clears throat> let Steve take a shot. You know what I mean? Hey, just get it out of the way. You know, let him take a shot down the field, a little play action. You know, whatever the case may be. Um, but you also want to have things that are going to get these guys comfortable with the offense, so that as each drive continues, all right, these guys are going to be looking, you know, solid and confident. And ready to roll. I, I think it's really well said because I think that it because this first one, Vince, this falls mostly on the coaching staff in yeah. this one, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We talked, we talked about it. 
it's a for it's not a first it's not for the first time Gino Gadulli is going to call a football game on the college level, but he's it is going to be the first football game he's going to call at the University of Notre Dame in, in that transition from Jared Parker to obviously the the next era of Mike Denbrock. So you are going to need, I think, just and this is why you practice, right? This is why you had you know these multiple practices in the last couple of weeks. I just want Notre Dame to have a a good plan coming into this football game. You know, because Gino Gadulli is calling plays, he should very be very well. He should have a very good opinion and very well known as far as what does Steve Angeli do well? What does he bring to the table that we can kind of ease into this contest? And for me, Vince, like the one thing that I've been really impressed with Steve Angeli from the practice reps I've seen and some of the game reps he throws pretty well on the run, man. He's a pretty good athlete. I think he can move pretty well. I think he's very comfortable moving on the or throwing on the move and making some of those quick decisions on the move. So I'm looking, let's move the pocket a little bit. Let's work off play action, maybe a little RPO game, yeah. whatever it yeah. is. I think that those things will best get him into rhythm. And then from there, and we'll talk more about the diverse run game, obviously, pretty soon here. But I don't want to see just the Audric plan. Uh, Jeremiah Love just running the Audric plan because Jeremiah Love and Audric Estime are very different football players. I want to see working to the skill sets that you have offensively. Jeremiah Love, Jadarian Price, they are home run hitters. They are guys that can hit the corner and create some big plays. The wide receivers that you have, you have, I think the last couple games, especially Notre Dame did a better job of understanding what does Jaden Greathouse do well? What does right. Jordan Faison do well? What is what is these, you know, the wide receivers that you're going to be having in this football game, what do they bring to an offense that we can best take advantage of? And then also, you need to protect your offensive line a little bit, which we'll get into a little bit more. But that's a part of starting fast is let's not just drop back five times in a row and just ask Charles Jagasaw, who was kind of raw as a pass protector in high school, to just, you know, to do either a, a vertical set or a 45-degree set and just you're on an island against their best pass rusher. Like that's not beneficial to Charles Jagasaw <laughs> right. in this football game. So understanding what their strengths are for Gino in this offensive staff, I think is going to be big for putting them in the best possible position that they can be in. Yep. Nope. Completely agree with that. And I, I think that's also going to be key, right? Is knowing what these young guys do best and really kind of tailoring the game plan around that. And 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 it is, it's specific to Steve Angeli. There's no doubt about it. Steve Angeli is not Sam Hartman. I mean, if 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 they come out with the exact same game plan that they would have had if Steve or if Sam Hartman was the quarterback, that, that's not good coaching. I mean, I'm sorry. That's not good coaching. That's not who Steve Angeli is. As you said, move the pocket, get him out, use his legs. I mean, he's not Ian Book. He's not, you know, Deuce Knight with his legs, right? He's not Riley Leonard with his legs, but his legs can be a part of his game. He's not he's not uh, a statue back there in the pocket, right? So you want to use his legs, whether you actually do some, some read option. I, I think that could actually be something that they could take advantage of against this, uh, this front that Oregon State is going to have. Look, we talked about it yesterday and we're going to talk about it in our second key. So I don't want to, you know, jump the gun a little bit, but this front is very quick. They're very fast. They're, they're not going to two gap. They're not going to stand there and wait and try to figure out what's going on. They're coming right now. Yep. And so, you know, a little bit of read option could be something that could slow them down, potentially get them, you know, going one way. All of a sudden Notre Dame is going the other because it's built 
into the play, whether it's handing to the running back going one way and the quarterback keeping it, you know, that whatever the case may be, you can make them wrong with yes. the way that they slant and move, right? And so there's a lot of things you can do with Steve Angeli that you might not have done with Sam Hartman. So it's yep. going to look different, I would imagine, offensively. And that is going to play to the strengths of Steve Angeli. And I, and that's going to be really an important piece of this, right? If I had, yep. you know, Gino Gadouli or some one of the offensive staff sitting in my room right here, I'd be like, hey, you know, don't do it like Sam Hartman did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, let's, Cause, cause, you know. And and that's what makes a good offensive staff and a good play caller, in my opinion. I have no right. idea if Gino Gadouli is a good play caller or not, but you know, because you're right, he – Steve Angeli is not Sam Hartman and Sam right. Hartman is also not, not Steve Angeli. Like they're exactly. completely different football players. Right. I'm not, I'm just not trying to stick a round peg into a square hole in this football game. Yep. What you've had weeks to prepare now, knowing that Sam Hartman wasn't going to play and knowing that Steve Angeli was going to be your guy, at least to start this football game. So right. working to his strengths, working to the rest of the team strengths. That's why, Look, guys, I know that there's, you know, a couple opt-outs were a little bit later and you're like, oh, man, maybe there's a chance. All, like people were like, maybe there's a chance Aldrich Estime plays or this guy plays. <laughs> Trust me, the staff knew that those guys that were opting out were going to opt out a couple weeks before the Correct. general public officially knew. They knew right. that that was in the works. So with that knowledge, this is a game where it's almost like preseason practice, Vince, to a degree. You know, like that first game, you've had whole offseason several weeks to design this offense and to make it look the way you want. And usually, typically, teams come out and they look pretty good in the first game offensively because it's like, yeah, there might be some kinks in, in the armor a little bit, some chunk, chinks in the armor. But ultimately, they had a very good plan coming in because they had weeks and weeks and weeks to, to, to make this plan, to create it. And I think Notre Dame has a chance to come out with a really good plan because they've had weeks and they know, again, Gino Gadouli knows – Steve Angeli, better than just about anybody. I would He's say worked better with than anybody, all yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Seriously. knowing what he does well, asking him what to do, and then also you have Dilo McCullough, who I imagine will be pretty heavily involved in this game planning, right? Like he knows who Jeremiah Love is. He knows who Jadarian Price is. I think that I'm just looking for a collaborative effort offensively to be able to start fast because I think that that is going to be not necessarily needed. I don't think needed's the right word because you Notre Dame could come out slow and still win this football game. That's very possible. But if sure. you start fast, then we're going to be in the middle of the third quarter, Vince, being like, "All right, can we get to this post game show?" Because they're blowing the doors off this team. I mean, that's yeah. quite that's a possible scenario that we run Absolutely. into. Absolutely. I look. I I hate to say it, and I I you know it's not prediction time yet, obviously, but it just I feel like this game could end up being boring. I mean, I, but for all the right reasons as a Notre Dame fan, I, I and and we'll get to all of that, you know, moving forward. But I, I do feel like this game is going to feel like it's going to take forever in the second half. I that, yes. That's just how I see this one going. I'm sorry. Um, you know, as I look deeper and deeper and I, I'm looking for I'm actually this is not the way I usually look at a game. I'm looking for reasons to be wrong on this. Like I'm looking for reasons for Oregon State to make this a football game and, and potentially win this football game. It's, just, it's it's tough to see. You know what's funny, Vince, is that Brian. So Brian, just for people that, that out there that are wondering, Brian texted us all. Be I think it was on was it Sat Friday last Friday or Saturday something like that for our, our score predictions for yep. both Notre Dame and the and the other games that we pick here in our Dives Breakdown. And honestly, I'm already like a few days removed from me sending it because I ended up sending it on Saturday, I believe. 
the closer I get to this football game, the more positive I have become of, I think Notre Dame could just be, beat this team bad. Like, I think it's yeah. possible that they could end yeah. up really just kind of boat racing this team a little bit. So right. the score prediction that you're going to see when I was breakdown was me in that little period of, because this happens before every pick of, you know, I think Notre Dame could do this really well. But also, you know, this other, you know, the team that does this well and this well. And then also after that, I think Fuaga, the offensive tackle for Oregon State, officially opted out. It found out that Joshua Gray, the left tackle, isn't playing. And some things have just changed a little bit. So I actually think that it could be a little bit more of a lopsided victory in Notre Dame's favor than what I ended up picking at mm-hmm. Irish break. I actually might have to text Brian and be like, hey, can I change my score prediction a little bit? Just a little <laughs> bit. But regardless, I agree with you is that I think that Notre Dame has the opportunity to do that. But if they do, if the only way that they do that, in my opinion, yeah. is if they start fast. So they come Absolutely. out and they're just guns blazing and they are have a concerted effort and they are in a good rhythm early. I think yeah. that's the way that they do it. Completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. So we've kind of danced around point number two uh, for a little while. So let's just jump into it, Ryan. Point number two, dominate up front and yes. a diverse run game. And we're talking offense here. So it's dominating up front with this yep. kind of a new offensive line. Right, it's a it's a new offensive line. You're going to have one offensive lineman that started the season in this game, and that's left guard Pat Coogan. And so, yes. t- talk to me about what that means in your eyes, being a dominant up front when you've got a lot of new pieces and a lot of moving parts here. I, I think there's there's two ways that I looked at this, and I th- again I threw, you know, to your kind of your introduction there i threw notre dame playing well up front together with having a really good rush rushing attack and plan as a rushing team this game because i think that's really what it's going to come down to is if notre dame is able to run this football the the football well against oregon state that's how they dominate this team yeah because i just don't think that notre dame wants to become a one-dimensional throwing team against oregon state because i just don't think that's advantageous for them you know decisively winning i mean again you could still win i think but it's not going to be quite as easy if it's that in that direction so it's twofold vince it's a transition period up front it is i I, people that are down on joe rudolph which i think got better at the end of the season for some people because they were like okay we saw ashton craig show growth his last couple games of the season joe walt was great all year we saw Billy Shrouth get an opportunity and play really good football down the stretch. And you start feeling a little bit better because for me, Vince, like I, I mostly, I mostly grade coaching, you know, the ability as a, as a coach by what the young players start to show, yeah. right? Cause yeah. they're, they're, they're the baseline yeah. and you build upon it. They're the foundation. They're really like, you're trying to build a foundation and building up from there from, from up from it. So down the stretch, seeing Ashton Craig play well, Billy Shrouth play well, that gives me some hope that Joe Rudolph's going to be that guy at Notre Dame. I think the jury's still a little bit out in that regard, but this is the ultimate test for Joe Rudolph because you now have a true freshman at left tackle. You have a redshirt freshman at center. You have a redshirt freshman at right guard and Tosh Baker might start right tackle, but there's not an, it, it's, it's up in the air as far it's as like, maybe we'll see yeah. Tosh Baker as well. Who's a young cat as well. So I think that you have the opportunity to see, just how much these young players have grown under Joe Rudolph in a year. You know, like how prepared is Charles Jagasaw to play left tackle at the University of Notre Dame? How prepared, if Emil Wagner is in the football game, is he to play high-level football at the University of Notre Dame against a good Oregon State defense? So I think first and foremost, I want to see how things are developing up front, and I want to see that group come out. And 
they're going to make mistakes. They always are, especially with a first-year starter, a first-time starter at left tackle and a, a young team, a young, inexperienced offensive line overall. But I want to see them play hard, man. Like I want to see them physically dominate because guess what? Charles Jagginsaw, even if he's not assignment sound all the time, he's still going to have some big-time moments because he's just so athletic and so strong and so powerful. So I want to see that first and foremost. The second part goes back to the offensive game plan perspective is that I think that could you bludgeon this team because you're just bigger than them and stronger than them? Yes, possibly. But you know what really is going to be debilitating to a Oregon State team? If you have a really diverse run plan that helps your offensive line and you're running inside zone, outside zone, pin and pull, a little bit of counter, like just kind of mixing things up and keeping a good defense you know, just kind of off their, off their, they're a little bit out of sync early on in this football game and just throughout this football game as well. So I think it's going to come down to if the offensive line overall dominates in this football game and they're able to create movement and they're able to run the football events, Notre Dame wins this one big. I think that's, that might actually be the biggest key to this football game, in my opinion. Sure. But I, overall, I think that that is probably the biggest question mark offensively. You know, like I, I personally, I don't know if you agree with this. I would love to hear if you do or not, but. Steve Angeli, I think Steve's going to be fine. Like I think he's yeah. going to be fine. Oh, I think yeah. he's going to be a, a good and solid in this football game. I actually have a pretty like I'm not worried as much about Steve Angeli. The part that I'm worried about this offense overall is how will the offensive line mesh with so many new faces and so sure. much inexperience? Because if they dominate this football game offensive line wise, it's not going to be a contest in my no. opinion. No, but if there's some communication errors, if there's guys falling off of blocks if there's just some kind of those little moments of just not fully being confident in what you're doing then i think that's where oregon state can create a lot of negatives which is kind of what they're built off of defensively completely agree i steve angeli is the least of my worries from an offensive standpoint uh in this game because the way i see this game playing out steve angeli doesn't have to be you know whoever they name your quarterback that's like a transcendent quarterback right he doesn't need to be caleb williams he, he yes. doesn't need to be drake may he doesn't need to be whatever right he just yep. needs to steer the ship in the right direction and get the ball out and where it needs to go and a lot of time that's going to be you know in the belly of jeremiah love and yep. jabron Payne. i mean yes. a, a, a jadarian price right i mean that that's what it's going to be and so i i have I, I look, Steve Angeli is going to be just fine in this game. I, I, Steve Angeli to me, and, and I, this, I do not want this to come off as a pick on Steve Angeli type of comment, but Steve sure. Angeli can win you a bunch of games. I, I feel very similar about Steve Angeli, even more so about Steve than I did about Drew Pine. Drew Pine can win you a bunch of games. He can win you games, there. right? I agree. But yep. is, is he a championship level quarterback? That's the question because if you want, if you're looking for a starter at Notre Dame, you want a championship level quarterback. I'm not sure that Steve, this is not a championship level team that Notre Dame is going up against. This is Oregon state and a depleted Oregon yes. state at that. Right. Yep. And so yes, without this their is head a, coach without right. some of their top players. Yeah. Without yeah. blank. Right. right. You can fill in the blank without, without, I mean, they're without a lot, right. From coaching yes. to players. And so I think you can win a lot of games with Steve Angeli. This is one yep. of those games you can win with Steve Angeli. Now, if he goes out there and throws like three interceptions and fumbles the ball and does all that, yeah, he can lose you a game. And you can I'm lose not... because of Steve Angeli, 100%. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that's a great distinction because I think Mm -hmm. that people think that it's, it's, you know, look, the game manager moniker that people throw around, I think it's overused for one. I think, I don't think it's used correctly all the time either. For for me, from what I've seen of Steve, I think you could win with Steve Angeli. Are you always going to win because of Steve Angeli though? That's the difference between a game manager and a game elevator. And those are the types of guys. There is a reality in this football game where Steve Angeli throws for a buck 80, a touchdown or two, doesn't turn the football over, and Notre Dame kills Oregon State. There's a reality of that, right? Oh, absolutely. I just don't think that there's a big of a reality that he throws for 350 and four touchdowns, and that's how you win the football game. But to your point, Vince, he is, though, and that's the part of the game manager thing. Game manager can lose you a football game, though, right? They can lose you a football game. Right. But in the most part, for the positive aspect of everything, if everything is good around Steve, I think Steve can make all the plays he needs to make. Cool. Yep. We're good there. But that's why this second key is so important to me is that the offensive line is going to dictate how good Steve Angeli is in this football game, in my opinion. If the run game is good, you're able to establish the line of scrimmage and you keep Steve Angeli in rhythm and just kind of just, you know, just doing his job on a snap to snap basis. Then he's going to be successful, right. but it was it was successful because everything around him was good, and I think that's the big key for me. Right, and I look, Steve Angeli is going to take some chances in this game, and sure. and, and I want and, him and, to. Yeah, I want, I want him, him to. to as well. The coaches may yeah. not want him to take the kind of chances he's going to take because he's sure. going to try to squeeze the ball into some tight windows. He's going to do some different things, and you hope that that kind of a thing does not come back to bite you if you're a Notre Dame fan, obviously. But as as long as they don't as long as those kinds of plays don't hurt him, he's going to be just fine. I think the stat line that you came up with was it like 180 yards, two touchdowns, maybe, you know, 40 yards on the ground, you know, that kind of a yep. deal. Like that's the stat line I kind of anticipate being the case. And then you add two or three more rushing touchdowns and you're looking at a blowout like that. That's how I see this game going. And you could even potentially throw in a defensive touchdown in there too. Right. Um and so that's how I see this thing going, but it all starts up front, as you said, because we kind of went on a tangent on Steve Angeli, but it, it starts up front with this offensive line. Are they going to give Steve Angeli the time to make these throws? Are they going yep. to create holes for the running backs who are also inexperienced in the lead role, right? They've, they've yes. Look, they've toted the rock all season. All four guys have gotten the ball. All four guys have gotten into the end zone. All four guys we know can make plays, right? But none of that, it's all been in an assist to Audrick Estime. And he's not going to be there. And so the run game is going to look different. Because, or, or let, me, hold on, let me back up. The run game should look different than it has all season because none of these guys are Audrick Estime. The, yes. the Audrick Estime lookalike is in the 24 class. And he'll be yes. here. <laughs> he'll be here in a little while. But he's listed at two hundred and twenty-five pounds already. <laughs> right. Keisha and Young. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of a man. He doesn't look that big, really. Like I, I don't know, man. Like he could be one of those guys that's like two thirty-five and just still looks just athletic and not big, right? He, you remember, like jo- Jonas Gray was one of those guys at Notre Dame where I looked at Jonas Gray and I was like, he's yeah. a good, solidly built guy. But then it's like he shows up to the the pro day or the combine or whatever the heck he was at that year, and he's like two thirty five. I'm like, geez, man, where are you keeping all that weight at? Like that's insane. Right. So right. he's one of those guys, man. Keedron Young is going to be a good one. Yes, they they will be able to replace Audric Estime with Keedron Young as far as the body type, the style, the yes. run style, you know that kind of a thing. But he's not on the roster for the Sumble, so no. you're you're going to see a different style of running. And so what does that look like 
for Notre Dame. You're going to see some outside runs. You're, you're going to see some zone. You're going to see some duo. You're going to see all of these different things, but it needs to be fresh. It can't just be the same thing over and over because Oregon State can shut that down. They are good enough up front to shut down a one-dimensional run game. And so yep. you can't be one-dimensional. And don't, and the other thing is, don't treat, you know, Jeremiah Love like Audrey Estime. Yes. They're just not, like there's been times where they're just slamming, you know, guys up the middle. And Jeremiah's fault, man. It was Jeremiah's fault. The first couple of games, Vince, he, he he had a couple runs where you're like, yeah. he's run through arm tackles. He's getting downhill. And then they were like, you know, we're just, just keep doing that. It's like, no, don't keep doing that. Don't. Now teams know that they can do that. Do something else and then come yes. back to that when you feel like it. Like Correct. that's where that's where diversity is created when a team yeah. knows that you have the ability to do this, this, and this. So right. I'm going to be able to do all of that and be able to counter off of it. That's where diversity comes from. Correct. And, you know, when they start bringing that overhang player on the outside, <laughs> then you can bust it up the middle, right? You know, because you've been gashing them on the outside. So you have to, you know, make those adjustments in game at halftime, whatever the case may be. And don't, you know, number seven's not, number seven's not walking through that door, right? He's not going to be in the backfield. Okay. So you've got to, you've got to adjust. You've got some, a lot of talent in that running back room but you still have to adjust. And you also have to be very wary of what this offensive line can do. They are yes. more fleet of foot than the starting offensive line that was in there at the beginning of the season, I think, you know, especially overall. in the interior, yeah. you know, overall, yeah. right. Yeah. And so, you know, what kind of things are you going to want to do? Are you going to want to do a little bit more pin and pull? Are you going to want to, you know, do a little more double and climb, you know, things like that, because these guys can get to where they need to go a little bit quicker, right? Yes. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they adapt to the four new faces essentially uh, from the beginning of the season. And so it's funny, man. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. Right. We have four new offensive linemen and the fifth is somebody we didn't realize was going to start in the first place. So yes. like, <laughs> I mean, if I, yeah, if, if I told you before <clears throat> fall camp that the offensive, well, actually I, I think, Hogan was working with the first team in spring practice a little bit, right? If I told you before bit, spring practice, yeah. if I told you before spring practice, uh, I'm just going to Joe because I do another podcast with Joe. Vince, if you if I told you before spring practice of this year that the starting offensive line was going to be Charles Jagasaw, Pat Coogan, Ashton Craig, <laughs> Billy Shrouth, and either Tosh Baker or Emil Wagner. You would have said I was cuckoo an for idiot, Cocoa Puffs <laughs> on drugs, <laughs> drinking a lot. I don't know, whatever it would have been, but it would it did not sound like a reality. The only one that would have been reasonable before spring ball last year was oh yeah, Billy Shrouth. Billy Shrouth star. I could see yeah. that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny. Exactly, he would have been the only one. I'm like, okay, got that one. But what about the other four? Are you crazy? Like, yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So. It's going to be that that is a key, though, right? That That's why it's on this list, because there are so many question marks about what this run game is going to look like. Do they have the ability to dominate up front? Yeah, they do. They do. But physically, the, yep. but the, this is going to be on the coaching staff to make sure they put these guys in the best position to be successful. Okay. All right. Third key to this one. And I this one will dovetail off of our Steve Angeli conversation and making yep. him confident and all of that. And it's create plays after the catch. 
and I, I don't think Notre Dame's done enough of this this year. They've done some of it. I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen some guys break some bit long runs. Like, I mean, Jaden Greathouse had a big one, obviously, early in the year over an over route. We've seen Jordan Faison do this a little bit after the catch. But I think for me, you want Steve to be really in rhythm and be able to go from one to two, right? Like, I'm not doing a bunch of full field reads with Steve no. Angeli in his first ever start. That's not, no. like, I'm not asking him to go one, two, three, and then backside. Like, no, not in this game, not in this game. One, two, be an athlete, That's right? It. Like one, two, be an athlete. That's the reads for Steve in this game yep. if I was the offensive coordinator. So in that sense, Vince, there's going to be some plays where you're probably getting the ball out quick and you're probably going to get guys in a little bit of space as far as like, you know, maybe you're going to throw just a quick speed out or you're maybe going to throw a bubble screen, whatever it is. You need Jaden Greathouse, Jordan Faison, maybe some Jaden Thomas, you know, hopefully some Deion Colsey, whatever. You need some of those guys to create some plays after the catch in this game. Yeah. Don't ask Steve to do five, seven-step drops and just work vertically and create big plays that way all the time. Should there be some mixed in there? Of course, because I'm a big fan of diversity. But overall, and we don't have to labor on this point too long, is that you have to make things easy for Steve in this game. And that's on the wide receivers. Jordan Faison, quick screen, maybe just you know, quick bubble, get it out to him fast. Let him create something after the catch and big, make a big play. Jaden Greathouse, over route, after the catch, make a big play. One of the tight ends, whether it is Eli Raritan or it's hopefully Cooper Flanagan or whoever, make something happen after the catch. Why running backs? You know, maybe Jeremiah Love gets involved on a little slide or a screen or, a, a, a you know, a, maybe he runs some type of bubble. Like, I don't know. But regardless... Let your athletes be athletes and make some plays after the catch because I really think that you want to get the ball out of Steve's hands quick in this football game. You're not asking him to go through a full field read type of situation. Hopefully the wide receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, all including this one, not just catch it eight and you're down at nine. Catch right. it eight, create a 20-yard gain. You know, like yeah. just some of that hidden yardage that we see in football games. I mean, if you watch the San Francisco 49ers this year, the yard per completion and the yard per attempt average on Brock Purdy has been pretty sensational, right? Yeah. But if you watch the game, the yard per target isn't crazy. Like his ADOT's not nuts. It's that Debo does things after the catch. George Kittle makes plays after the catch. Those guys make a lot of big time plays. And I think for me, I want to see that at Notre Dame a little bit on Friday. I want to see Jane Greathouse, Jordan Faison, those younger guys be able to create some e make some easy plays for Steve and create some hidden yardage. That's what I'll be watching. Right. No, absolutely. And that's and again, you want to talk about ways to get a young quarterback, you know, confidence. It's those chunk type plays, right? It's easy throws that create first downs. It's easy throws that create big plays. It's guys making plays for the quarterback where he isn't just standing back there trying to squeeze it into tight windows, you know, and all of those different things. And and I think, you know. Plays after the catch are going to be crucial in this game, whether it's off play action, whether it's a, a tunnel screen, you know, something along the like. Don't be surprised if the screen game is a legit part of this offense in this game because Steve Angeli's a smart kid. He can throw a screen, he can, you know, he can read when to throw the bubble, you know, things of that nature. I could very well see that being a, a staple in this offense on Friday because it is, and it also plays into the hand of these receivers, right? Jordan Faison is like a little, like a Sprite, just, just like, you know, darting around back in there. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he can make plays in space, right? 
and he can make guys miss in space. Jaden Greathouse is that kind of guy. K.K. Smith is that kind of a guy, right? You've got a lot of guys that can do that, and then you've got your big bodies and Colsey and Thomas that can do the back shoulders and things like that. And you want to talk about you know opportunities for plays after the catch or easy throws for the quarterback. Back shoulder is an easy throw for a quarterback. If the, you know that's a staple throw now in the arsenal of a quarterback in 2023 is that back yep. shoulder catch or back shoulder throw, excuse me. And Jaden Thomas is really good at that. I you're going to see some of that, right? Jaden Greathouse can do it. Young absolutely. Can do it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And the, and those are those are low uh you know percentage or high percentage low risk type throws cuz either your guy's going to catch or it's going to go out of bounds, right? Yes. If if it's thrown correctly. And so, you know, that's where I like what they're going to what I think they're going to do with Steve Angeli and allow some of these playmakers to just go out and make plays, um, which I could see definitely being the case. I, I really like this key because, you know, we talked about knowing what your guys can do and yes. emphasizing what these young guys can do. A lot of these guys can make plays with the ball in their hands. It's not just a catch and go down. It's a catch and go. And so yep. I, I, I love this one. Yep. And it, it, again, it goes back to the offensive line conversation. You need to make things easy for Steve. And I think yeah. that that's the biggest key. The last one, Vince, and then I know we'll get over to the defense, is quite simple. When yeah. you are a young team at quarterback, on offensive line in certain spots, at running back, at offensive coordinator, efficiency is usually kind of cut a little bit as far as like how just generally speaking from a snap-to-snap or drive-to-drive basis – you're being an efficient team. The ability to run the football, high percentage throws, fin- finishing drives is the last key that I had because I think that Notre Dame, like th- that's the thing that worries me a little bit in this game is that you are able to just move up and down the field on this Oregon State team, but then you either have to settle for field goals or you throw an interception in the red zone or you fumble the football, whatever it might be. You have to finish drives in this football game because it's still a good Oregon State team. I know their secondary has been a little depleted, but it's a good defense for Oregon State. Notre Dame, I think, is going to be able to move the football. Are they able to move the football and be efficient in the red zone, finish drives? If they are again, then I think it could be a long day for the Beavers. But if they aren't, then that's how this team stays in the football game. And maybe it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter that can go either way or a tie football game. So if Notre Dame needs to be able to finish off their drives, because I think they're going to move the ball well, but anytime you have a young quarterback, young skill position, and a young offensive coordinator, I do have a little bit of hesitation as far as are they able to punch the ball in the end zone, in the red zone, and finish off these types of key drives. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, we talk about finishing drives, right? And and generally finishing drives is with touchdowns, okay? Yes. I'm actually okay with finishing drives with field goals. Not all of them, obviously. But yep. I, I would, for me, I would say finish drives with points. Uh, right. Because, again, I do think points are going to be at a premium for the Oregon State offense. And... Normally, I wouldn't say field goals are going to win you games, but I think in this game, field goals can win you this game. And again, not all field goals. Like I don't want a field goal after every drive. That's going to be disappointing. Okay, but finish with points. You know, yes. you're the. Let's take Schrader's leg out for a drive because you know you can hit these deep ones with him. So depending on how deep you get into the opponent's territory, you know, 
finish with a field goal. Like I'm, I'm actually robo leg. I'm telling you, like I'm okay (laughs) with finishing with field goals and it's not because I am pro field goal kicker and all that kind of stuff. But I think in this particular game, Oregon state's going to have a tough time scoring the football. So if you can score points after every offensive drive, I think it's really going to benefit Notre Dame from a confidence level and from a scoreboard level, because I think this defense is going to be on point all day. I think that I think the most debilitating thing for this Notre Dame team is turnovers in this football game. Like that's the one where you just kind of get a little bit worried, especially because I think you make a good point, Vince. What's the old adage? You want to end every every offensive possession with a kick because sometimes punting is not the worst thing in the world, right? Absolutely. Worst worst thing in the world is turning the football over and potentially giving a team short fields and losing momentum. That is the worst possible type of situation. So I think if Notre Dame, as long as they stay on schedule and they don't shoot themselves in the foot and they end drives positively, I think Notre Dame will be just fine in this football game for sure. Yep. Absolutely agree. So let's go over them again. Number one, start fast, get your younger guys some confidence. Number two, Dominate up front, have a diverse run game. Number three, create plays after the catch. And number four, finish drives. So those are our offensive keys, or I should say those are Ryan's offensive keys to an Irish victory. And so with that, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share with your family and friends. We'll be right back with part number two, and that's defensive keys to an Irish victory. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.